Not all the time does the Lord give me a title. Sometimes he just give me a subject. And I don't really care what you call it as long as you get it. You know what I mean? Uh, get the revelation of it. Be a doer of it. Call it what you want. Yet this message, he gave me a title. And uh, I want to tell you, uh, uh, when the Lord gave me this title, it reminded me of a commercial that I used to love growing up. You understand I was raised on television. <laughs> My mom was here this past week. She told me that I was the uh, first. She reminded me, and she does this off often. She reminded me that I was the very first year I was three when Sesame Street had its first season. And so she said I watched it twice a day and was just glued to that thing, you know. <laughs> and uh, that never stopped. I mean, I just loved to watch TV, and I'd get to where I was a teenager, get home from school, and, uh, you know, the, my parents didn't know the Lord, didn't know that what comes in, <laughs> you know, imprints itself on your life and things like that. But um, my brother and I would come home from school. We'd find us a two liter of Coke, a bag of Doritos, and we'd sit on the couch, watch cartoons. You might say, which cartoons, Pastor? All of them. All of them. We'd just watch anything that was on until somebody came home and said, time to turn the TV off. Amen. Don't raise your kids that way, parents. Amen. Well, we got one amen. Some of the rest of you already did, did it that way, but praise God. Uh, anyhow, this one commercial, and this might have been in the 70s, but uh, there was, it was a commercial about two young people, a guy and a girl. Let's see, maybe we should just act this out. Who do we have here today? No, no, you're too good an actor. Let's get Joe. I'm the, he's, he's going down in his seat. Joe, you stand right down here. And then, oh, Isabella raised her hand. Come on, Isabella, stand right over here. <clears throat> and you guys are going to remember this commercial. Now, the, now, okay, now there's one standing there and one standing there. And what they're going to do when I tell them to, they're going to start walking this way. And uh, this, this, was, this was a commercial. They were walking down city blocks. And the one individual, they were both snacking when they were walking. Now, I didn't bring these snacks with me, but the one was eating a bar of chocolate right there. So you're going to pretend to eat a bar of chocolate. And because this is how most people do, this other individual right here was snacking on what? Anybody remember? An open jar of peanut butter, of course, like you always do when you're going nuts. So come on, guys. Come on. You're, eat your peanut butter. Eat your chocolate. Come on. Eat your peanut butter. And as they get here, they bang into each Bang. Okay. They bump into each other. You may be seated. All right. Because, you know, we don't want too, too much bumping into each other. Hallelujah. With, all right. And uh, when they bump into each other, the snacks intermingle. How many remember? And, and, and they, they both retort. The one says, hey, you got your peanut butter on my chocolate. And the other one, don't you remember, says, hey, you got your chocolate in my peanut butter. And then he eats the chocolate with the peanut butter. And she eats the peanut butter. Did she even have a spoon? Anybody remember? Or was she just using her fingers? What a weirdo, okay? <laughs> I think she left the house and somebody said, don't forget your open jar of peanut butter, you know, as you go down. So and then they try it and they realize, ooh, ah. And uh, I think they hooked up, got together. You know, well, hooked up means something different today than it used to. Okay, don't use that term. They got together, hand in hand down the street, and at the end, it said Reese's peanut butter cups, yes. right? Yes. 
Well, how many understand that chocolate and peanut butter is a good mix? It's a good mix. We had a, a neighbor yesterday. I was out at the lake. Didn't plan to be, but I ended up out there. And uh, we had a neighbor came over to us and said, hey, I made you uh, some chocolate peanut butter fudge. Just made it. I was out there all alone. No kids, no family, no nothing. I said, well, now's the time. Give it to me. This is it. And I, I had, did have a couple pieces, but then I put all the rest of it in a tin, a Sesame Street tin. You'll, uh, we'll like that. See, Elmo and everybody was on it. Uh, and it's all in the refrigerator waiting for the next time we go out there. Praise the Lord. Chocolate and peanut butter. But, <clears throat> you know, there's other things that don't mix together so well. So just in your mind, reenact this. She's coming, open jar of peanut butter. And just say our brother's coming this time. But instead of the peanut butter, he had just finished the last pickle in the jar and they bump into each other and she said hey you got pickle juice in my peanut butter and he said you got peanut butter in my pickle juice I'm going to understand and they try it it would be like, oh this is lame this is terrible right and uh, this message we want to begin to minister to you, to you today is about a couple of things that don't mix well together and the title the Lord gave me for this message is why is there wilderness in my promised land how many know the wilderness does not go good in your promised land? You ready to get this today? Now, kind of interesting. I'll tell you this testimony. This is a, you know, the Lord works with signs. And sometimes uh, the most, uh, you know, he does supernatural things that aren't always so spectacular. And, and a lot of times people wouldn't even know it. I missed, I was there last night at, in Lancaster, but the previous Saturday, I wasn't there. Brother Philip ministered, but I had, uh, I had been scheduled to do several, uh, several engagements with the Buffalo Philharmonic, and, that, and it was going to take me off the Saturday night. Well, I don't do that often, but I did it for that one. And so uh, my wife was supposed to preach, ended up Philip was there preaching. But I wasn't there. And uh, she went last night to take the offering. She received the offering last night. And she, she used the same scripture she used this morning, read Deuteronomy 8. And she said, let's turn to the scripture we looked at last week for the offering. Well, like I said, I wasn't there. Deuteronomy 8. She read it. Well, you know, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was being so blessed as she was reading that because that's the text for these messages. She didn't know it. She didn't know what I was preaching at all. I didn't know what she had preached until I'm there in the service. And there we are reading my whole text. So turn to Deuteronomy 8. And God will do those things just to be cool. I'm going to know God's very, very cool. He's really cool. Deuteronomy 8. And we'll just go ahead and reread some of what she already read regarding the offering. We're going to ask, we're going to endeavor to answer the question, why is there wilderness in my promised land? And we'll start at verse 6. Where it says, observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Would you say that phrase, good land? Good land. A good land. What's he want for you? Well, what would a good land be? What would a good situation be? He defines it right here. A land with streams and pools of water. How many like pools this time of year? Yeah, me too. 
with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. Now, you read those things, it's real easy to skip over them. And you know, those, you and I in our day, how many don't care too much about pomegranates, whether they're in your backyard or not, right? And you understand that Wegmans has all these things, so Wegmans must be the good land. <laughs> and when we, when we found out from the Lord we were moving back here, that's the first thing my wife said. Oh, glory to God, Wegmans. We're going to a good land. But you know as well as I do, they didn't have Wegmans. Um, and if you know anything about the Middle East, you know that quite a bit of it is a wasteland. Yeah. Desert land. And... Uh, you think about this now. It says the Lord's bringing you into a land where all this stuff that you would need is right there, right there for you. Praise God, you know. I mean, you go out your door to this side. You got your wheat and barley fields right there. Hmm? You go out the back door, there's the streams. You understand that they had no piping to get water right to your house back then. You were the piping. I said you were the piping. You wanted water, you had to go fetch. Waterfront property was uh, probably at a premium then, just like it is now, you know what I mean? Why would everybody want to be at the water? Not just so you can swim, so you can get it to your house, right? You go out the other door, there's your olive oil, there's your honey, there's your fig trees. Glory to God. Springs flowing all over the place. Everything that you need, you hearing me now, everything that you need, everything that you require, Right there for you. That's a good land. Good land. And he goes on. Verse 9 says, A land where bread will not be scarce. And you will lack nothing. I just like that, don't you? Bread will not be scarce. You know, scarcity... Uh, uh, which we could call running out, right? Something scarce. That means it's getting hard to find. It's running out. And the enemy thrives on using that to create fear in individuals. And he'll, he'll, <clears throat> he'll get that kind of stuff, you know, talked about on the news, right? And everybody said, we're running out of this. We're running out of that. You know, the Psalm, Psalm 37 says, uh, David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen God's seed begging bread. As long as you and I are on the earth and the Holy Spirit's here on the earth, God is able to provide our needs. He is able. Amen. We don't have to be afraid about running out. Can you say amen? We have a supply for everything we need. Amen. What we need to do is learn how to access it. Amen. You know, I don't know. I don't know what the next couple years hold exactly to you. Hmm? I mean, depending on who you listen to, you know, all the ice is going to melt. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's, there's extremes on every side. You know, there's folk that, are, that if you just listen to the worst case scenario, uh, you could go around depressed all the time, couldn't you? Hmm? Oh, no, the glaciers are going to separate. Temperature's going to rise. We still had winter. I said, we still had winter. <laughs> Hold on to your real estate here. This might be the new Miami. Come on now. (laughs) 
Listen, as long as, as, long as the church is here, as long as the Holy Spirit's on the earth and in us, that God, that God will never leave his people without a supply. Amen. Fear. There's never a time where God's going to come with a message of time to be afraid now. But yet, I will say this, you know, it doesn't seem like times are getting better. And, and that's a no brainer. There's sin in the earth, everybody. Hmm? Lots of it. And uh, so, so if it does get, <laughs> if it does get worse, if, if the price of oil does d- triple <laughs> again, whatever it is, hey, we just know that we're in the days where it makes a whole lot of sense to learn how to serve God, to learn how to hear from God, to be hooked up to him, because you want to be hooked up to your supply. Amen. In times of scarcity. But he's saying that there was a land here for the children of Israel where their, where their st- supply would not be scarce. They had known scarcity some. And then it said, you will lack nothing. You will lack nothing. You want to confess that over yourself? Why don't you say, I will lack nothing. We ought to say that several times here. I will lack nothing. I will lack nothing. Now see, see that going on in your life. I will lack nothing. What's God's will for you? That I would lack nothing. Hmm? I will lack nothing. I will lack nothing. I will lack nothing. I will lack nothing. That's how you confess the word and meditate the word and you do that over and over and over. And when stuff starts talking to you, what do you think will come up out of you? I will lack nothing. Anybody had a little piece of paper talk to you? How are you going to pay me? How are you going to pay me? How are you going to pay? I will lack nothing. Faith is really interesting. Uh, you know, I was, I've been dealing the past couple days uh, with some symptoms in my body and uh, you know if I was going by how I feel I wouldn't have gotten out of bed this morning hallelujah but I'm healed amen and just having a big time right now enjoying myself but I can't look you can't look to your body to, to have it tell you whether you're healed or not amen why do I say I'm healed because the word says I'm healed. Yes. Amen. Because 1 John 5 verse 14 yes. says that if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have the petitions that we desired of him. So according to the word, him hearing me equals healing, not me feeling it equals healing. Right. So I know I'm heal- healed because I know he heard. Right. And because I know he heard, I know I have. Yes. Amen. Amen. And so every, but then every once in a while, the symptoms will talk to you. Things will talk to you. And uh, the thoughts will come, well, how long is it going to take before you feel it? And, you know, faith, if people who are in faith ought to have as much sense as a good politician. You know, you know what good politicians do? Come on. They don't answer the question the way it was asked. They answer, they answer what they want you to hear. 
Am I right? So the question comes to my mind, how long is it going to take before you feel it? And I answer, thank God I already am. Thank God I'm healed. Well, that's not what was asked me. But I'm sticking with the company line. Amen. <laughs> Amen and feeling fine. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Anyhow, a land where I will lack nothing. Lack nothing. We're talking about a promised land. Amen. That God had for Israel. It was his desire for his servants to have a place where there was no lack, where there was full provision, where there was a, a supply. It was a good land. A good land. Say a good land again. A good, good land. And he goes on to say, <coughs> pardon me, a land. <coughs> hello. A land where the rocks are iron. And you could dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and our <laughs> copper's gone up. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Glory to God. God will put you in a place where the goodies are. You remember in the book of Genesis, uh, in the second chapter, around the 10th verse, God was uh, telling Adam about, you know, created Adam, told him about the land, the Garden of Eden. And he told him uh, about a certain place where the gold was. Told him where the gold was, and then it said in parentheses, and the gold is good. Y'all looking at me like, I don't believe you, Pastor. Let me just make sure, okay? Genesis 2, verse 10 says, A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters, the name of the first, Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. Verse 12, parentheses, the gold of that land is good. Amen. Good. Good. Good, good, good. Are we good? Verse 10, when you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land. Say it again, good land. Good land he's given you. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and when your silver and gold increase, and all that you have is multiplied, when that happens, we're still defining the good land. What's the good land? Your stuff's increased. Everything about you is multiplied, increased, added to. And when that happens, we're, we're commanded to be careful. How come? Because we don't want our heart, verse 14, to become proud and forget the Lord our God who brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Amen. Verse 17 says, you might say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But you're supposed to remember the Lord your God. It's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is today. Some folk would say, nah, there's no way I'd ever forget the Lord. That's, you know what that lets me know? You've never been multiplied yet. 
Because if you've been increased and multiplied, you know exactly how you could forget the Lord. It is mighty easy. You know, when you when you have things multiplied, you have responsibility multiplied. You have paperwork multiplied. You have oversight multiplied. And it's just easy to get God crowded out with all the things. Keep things out of order, right? Is this all right today? And so we want to uh, we want to do things right. Praise God. So God has a place, a good land for us, a promised land. And I want you to know that only the smallest percentage of Christians live anywhere remotely close to the level of blessing that God has for them. Yet it's available to all of them. There's a good life available to all. I want you to go to John 10. (coughs) John 10, if you turn there. Now, we're not saying to you that what we're preaching is stuff you've never heard before. But believing yet that, that even these simple things are, are so significant and important for us to get. Is that right? John 10. Verse 10. The thief comes only to do what? To steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. God has a good land for us, but he's got a good life for us. A good life in a good land. Say that with me. We a good life in a good land. Good life in a good land. A good life in a good land. That's what God's got for you. That's what God's got for everybody. Now, when stuff comes into your life that steals, that kills, that destroys, do you understand who it's from? Who's that? It says the thief comes only, only for this reason. Only to steal. Only to kill. Only to destroy. He doesn't come to bless. He doesn't come to encourage. Is that right? The thief comes for one purpose and one purpose only. To steal, to kill, to destroy. Right here is is so important. If it's in your life and it's stealing from you, it's not God. It's not going to lead you to your promised land. It's not going to lead you to a place of blessing. Hallelujah. If you're taking on a second job and it's, take, and it's stealing away from your family time and it's stealing your relationships, that's not God. Hmm? God doesn't steal. The thief, we, we have his job description right here. He steals, he kills, he destroys. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Right? You might have a full life, an overflowing life, a good life. Go to another scripture with me. Ephesians 2. We just established in the fact today that God has a good life for us in a good land. And I intend, I'm going to possess it myself. 
but I intend to make it easy for you to see how you can be, be living the good life in the good land. Oh, the devil hates it. He wants to kill. He wants to steal. He wants to destroy. Ephesians 2, are you there? Now, in verse 8, and this is going to be the first, one of the first keys to get in the wilderness out of your promised land. Verse 8 says, uh, it's familiar to most of you. It says, for it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Notice these two things, by grace, through faith. How were you saved? Hmm? It was by grace, through faith. Is there anybody that can get saved just by grace, without faith? Is there anybody that can get saved just by faith, without grace? No. Well, it might be unclear if you don't understand just what grace and faith are, but, but let's, let's say it this way. There's God's part, that's the grace. There's man's part. That's the faith. You've never met anybody that got saved by just God saving them without their their involvement. You know, if if that was the case, if God would save people without them being involved, you understand we'd wrap this thing up very, very quickly. (laughs) The only reason we're still here going, amen, is is because God's not willing that any should perish. He wants all to come. But then you don't know anybody who just on their own faith without the grace of God ever got saved. And then the word saved, when it's talking about being saved, it's actually a Greek word that means more than being born again. When we say saved, I was saved, we're talking about most of the time, well, I got born again. You know, I was saved X number of years ago at this time or in this service. But the word saved means, uh, includes almost everything that God would do for us. It includes healing. It includes deliverance. Matter of fact, if you translate that Greek word that, that we call saved, deliver would be probably the best word. It includes provision. It, it includes uh, protection. Anything you receive from God, I want you to know comes this way, by grace, through faith. What is grace? Grace is God giving it to you, right? Right? It's his ability. It's his life. It's what he gives. What's faith? It's us taking hold of it, receiving it. God's blessed us in different times and and even recently in some some real great ways. But, uh, you know, when we talk about it, you don't you won't hear us say, look what my faith did for us. Hmm? Because without God's grace, without him giving it, you can believe all you want and all you do. If God's not. In it, all you'd be do is doing is bumping your faith up against nothing. Yeah. A closed door, a closed hand, right? And so it's always, you know, look what God's done. Look what he's given. Hallelujah. By grace, through faith. If you want to get the wilderness out of your promised land, you're going to need to know that. That everything that God gives to you comes to us by his grace. We receive it How? Through our faith. You have to have God's side. You have to have man's side. You can't just have one part. 
Amen. But then now look at this 10th verse. And it goes on to say, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, I like, I want to read that to you in the Amplified Translation. It says, we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us. Now, listen, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Did you hear parts of that that sounded real good to you? Living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Does God have a good life for you? Yeah, he does. What is the good life for the Christian? How many ever heard of the good old days? You know, back in the day, back in the good old days. You know, when people talk about the good old days, it just means they have a very short memory. Because you tend to forget the, all the, the hassle and the struggle. That's kind of like the grass being greener on the other side. That's just as wrong as the good old days. Amen. The grass ain't no greener. Somewhere else. Hallelujah. The good life is, is, is this. It's where everything you do and everything you have has God in it. Could you agree with that? Everything you do, everything you have, has the, has the fullness of God in it, has the blessing of God on it, the good life. Now, you get a bunch of people, even unbelievers here, and you ask them what the good life is, you get all kinds of answers, wouldn't you? Well, the good life is a country club membership for life, free golf, that's the good life. Uh, a, a certain kind of boat, good life. A fleet of snowmobiles, the good life. Whatever they like to do would be the good life. But, you know, you can have all those things and it not be the good life. You understand that. You know, this kind of house with this many bedrooms and this many bathrooms, that's the good life. No. Good life is where everything you have and everything you do has God in it. Glory to God. It's the peace life. It's the peace life. You know, the Bible says, he who would love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil, let him keep his lips that they speak no guile, and let him seek peace and pursue it. The good life is the peace life. The good life is the healed life. Amen. The good life is the protected life. Anybody have any stories about how God protected you and kept you? That's the good life, y'all. We had a, a situation yesterday that's a, actually kind of humorous, but um, how many of you have ever said the wrong thing? Or how many ever said the right thing at the wrong time? Or how many ever said the right thing to the wrong person? <laughs> well, we had a situation yesterday where we got a phone call from uh, a neighbor that's, that helps us with our boats. And he called and said, two of your boats are gone. And this is all so new to us. You know, we've, we just kind of inherited all this a couple weeks ago. And I said, oh, yeah. He said, yep, they're gone. 
And the guy that I was, now the reason he was even over at our property was because we had had somebody schedule a rental and we weren't going to be there. And this guy volunteered and said, anytime you need me to just push somebody out, glory to God, you take the money and, and say <laughs> bye-bye. That's all you do. And just collect the money, glory to God. And uh, so he was going to do that for us. And he said, well, there's somebody here for the boat and the boats are gone. There's, they're gone. They're missing. Well, there's a, a, another part to this story that happened before that. Not a sequel, but a prequel. <laughs> and the prequel is, what, one of the first times we were down there and getting ready to leave, this guy comes over. He's kind of, you know, well, anyhow, I don't want to say too much. So he comes over and he's talking about, um, you know, maybe you should take these boats in when you leave. And I said, no, 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 no. I ain't doing that. The people before me didn't do that. And uh, the motors are all chained to the boats. They're staying there. And, you know, he was just kind of, what he was doing was just peddling a little fear. Give me, a, you never know, and this and that. And uh, I said to him, I said, look, I understand that, and it might be smarter uh, to do that. And I said, I, I tell you, I think we're going to be okay like this. And besides, now here's what I sh maybe, maybe shouldn't have said. I said, besides, I believe that the angels of God are watching over my stuff and are going to protect my stuff. Amen. And, man, when I said that, it was like I hit him in, in uh, the wrong place because he got he didn't just he didn't just not answer. He got irate. He said, don't you give me that man of God stuff. He said, you know, that doesn't work for everybody and it doesn't work all the time. He said, I believe in God, but you know, as well as I do, that doesn't work all the time. Well, how do you answer that? Yeah, obviously, I said the wrong thing and probably should have. You know, the Bible says, if you have do you have faith, have it to yourself. There's just sometimes you should, you got to be, you have to use wisdom, what you said. And I didn't, I guess, uh, didn't realize it, but I, I didn't. And so I just, I said, Hey man, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to offend you. I was just telling you what's been an experience in my life. Anyhow, went on down the road. Well, now I get the call and it looks like just exactly what he said. <laughs> and I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to go down there. And I'm going down there. The nice thing about the drive to my place is it's just under an hour, and that's about the length of a sermon. So uh, yesterday I was here planning to just be here and rest all day, and I get this call in the morning. And I said, okay, I'm going to just go study down there, just go down there, because it's not this guy's job to, to be finding my boats. So, <clears throat> so I'm driving down there, and I'm halfway through listening to Pastor Nancy preaching good, you know. But something came up in my heart. I turned her off. And I was reminded about a story of Brother, Brother Hagen told. And I've only heard it a few times, but it was a story about when he was a very young man. And in the Depression days, he only had two pairs of pants. One he'd wear for dressier occasions and one he'd wear for work pants, you know. Two pairs. Everybody say two pairs. They were both dirty, so he washed them both. And they were both hanging out on the line. And he gets up to uh, go get his pair of pants off the line, and somebody stole his pants. Two of them, both pairs of pants, stole them right out the line. At this time, he didn't know what he later had learned about the authority of the believer, but he was, he was seeing some of those things. And he said, it just rose up in him. He got irate, and he just said, bless God, <laughs> angels, you ministering spirits, I just command you, you go put the fear of God on that individual. I, I command those pants to just walk themselves right back to where they belong. Right. <laughs> just rose up in him, and he acted on that. 
And I think it took a couple days, and don't ask me what he wore those days. I don't know. But uh, he woke up then another morning and looked out, and both pairs of those pants are hanging right up on the line. Somebody walked him right back. Now, you know, if his faith was more developed, he might have believed God for new pants. But, you know, hey, that's where he was. He was able to believe God for his pants back. And I just remembered that yesterday. And I, and I said, now, Lord, this ain't right. Besides, I already, got, I already uh, let the cat out of the bag that you protected my stuff. And besides, this isn't going to look very good because I'm going to get the whole I told you so thing. And so I just said, angels, you ministering spirits, you, between you and the Holy Spirit, you know where my boats are. Right. Get them back to where they belong. That's right. Amen. If somebody stole them, thank you to put the fear of God on those individuals right. <laughs> to where they're hightail it back to me. Well, long story short, one of them was waiting for me when I got back. The other one, all the money was there for the rental. He decided to rent it without anybody being there. And, and he came back on time. And it all worked out. But anyhow, not only that, to pay me for my gas, to, not only that, I got to study this message in a hammock <laughs> with chocolate, peanut butter, fudge. Not only that, to pay me for my trip down there, all kind of people wanted to rent boats from me. So I made another 250 bucks just, just saying, okay, go ahead. Everybody go like this. Take your money and go. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said the good life's the protected life. That's why that story came from. Amen. Protecting my stuff. Anyhow, so I didn't have to go through the... <laughs> See, I told you that doesn't work for everybody. So uh, did God bail me out? Maybe so. Praise God. But thank God he bailed me out. Next time I use more wisdom in, in who I talk to and what I say. You know, it's better. To, oh, we're doing good. It's better to err on the side. Some, you know, it's better to err on the side of saying of, of being ready to witness than it is to err on the side of never wanting to say anything to anybody at any time, no matter what. Right, right. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise God. Oh, the good life. It's the exceedingly blessed life. Everybody say this. A good life, good life. in a good land. Good land. A good life, good life in a good land. God's got that for us. We want to, in the next little bit here, minister to you how you can get the wilderness out of the promised land that God has for you. Amen. Peanut butter and chocolate, that goes together. Pickle juice and peanut butter? No. And just as bad as wilderness, uh, a, bunch of, a bunch of weedy growth, a bunch of desert stuff, when God has provided for us. A good play, a good land, a good life, a good land, a good place for us. Hallelujah. Stand up if you would.